What is your favorite Christmas movie? What's your Christmas vacation? Awesome. Christmas story. Elf. It's a wonderful life. Die Hard. Yes. Amazing. Best Christmas movie ever. Man, those are great. One of my favorite Christmas movies has already been said, but it's Christmas Vacation, right? And if you've seen Christmas Vacation, then maybe you know the story, right? Clark Griswold, he he seems to have this hard time remembering what Christmas is all about. First, he, he thinks it's about the big tree, Right, He goes and they, they cut down the huge tree and try to put it up in the house and ends up having wild animals in it. Um, then he thinks it's about all the lights. Right, He tries to have all the lights going on and ends out knocking out power to the whole city. You know, Then he has to put up with this crazy family. They all show up, including, including Cousin Eddie. Um, it, it's just a crazy time. And, and then he thinks, man, if, if only this pool that I'm going to get installed could get installed, then my life would be complete. And finally, at the end of the movie, Clark has this breakdown when this bonus that he's been waiting for comes in, and instead of a bonus, it ends up being a subscription to the Jelly of the Month Club for a year, right? And he loses it. He had forgotten what Christmas was all about. He thought it was about everything else. But what we know as followers of Jesus is that Christmas, and really every day of our lives, it's about Jesus and about God and about us being obedient to him and about us humbling ourselves enough to be used by him. Last week, we started our Christmas series and we began to look at the family tree of Jesus. And we saw that Jesus' family tree was crooked and broken. And yet God used all of these broken and sinful people to bring Jesus And we said that God still uses broken and sinful people, just like you and me, to bring others to Jesus. Well, today, we're going to see a young girl and her fiancé and how they were humble enough to be used by God to bring Jesus into the world. And Jesus is going to save people from their sins. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. You know, during this Christmas season, we celebrate Jesus coming to fulfill his mission on earth. And it's a mission that you and I get the privilege to take part in, to redeem people who are far from God, to redeem them back to God. You and I get to lead people back to God. But for us as Jesus followers, Christmas isn't and shouldn't be the only time that we celebrate this. In fact, we should celebrate this every single day of our lives. The mission that Jesus came to fulfill and the mission that we get to take part in. Back in the Old Testament, the tribe of Judah was was threatened to be torn apart mainly because many of them had turned away from God. And the king of Judah at the time asked for a sign from the prophets. And Isaiah the prophet comes to them and he speaks out against all the wicked things that the king of Judah and all of Israel had done at this time. And Isaiah responds to the king who was requesting a sign and says this in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 13. He says, Hear now, you house of David, 
Is it not enough that you try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. And it's this sign that we see being fulfilled in the New Testament. The king of Judah wanted a sign, and Isaiah says, I will give you a sign. A son will be born of a virgin, and he will be called Emmanuel, God with us. Last week, we saw that Joseph was the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is the Messiah. And today, we're going to explore this young couple even more, and we're going to see how they were humble enough to be used by God. So if you have your Bibles, if you would turn with me over to the book of Matthew, and we're going to be there in chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, man, we have some on the back table we would love to give as a gift. Please take one as a gift from us. But if you're looking for Matthew, it's about two-thirds of the way through your Bible. It's the first book of the New Testament, kind of closer to the right side of your Bible. It comes right at the end of the Old Testament and right before the book of Mark. Um, Matthew is one of four books that we call the Gospels, and that word gospel, it means good news, right? Because Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they tell us the good news of Jesus. They tell us the gospel of Jesus. They tell us about his life. They tell us about his birth that we're going to be looking at. They tell us about his life, his teaching. They tell us about his death, and they also tell us about his resurrection. So we're going to be there in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Let's pause here for just a second. So Mary is engaged to Joseph. She's pledged to be married to him. And I wonder how that conversation went, because she was found to be pregnant before they were together, Okay. Um, Joseph, uh, I, I'm pregnant. But, but it's not what you think, Joseph, right? Uh, there hasn't been anybody else, right? Uh, an angel came to me and said that I was going to have this child, and this child's going to be the son of God. Put yourself in Joseph's shoes for a minute. <laughs> Hearing this crazy story from this woman who's getting ready to be your wife. Yeah, right, Mary. I'm not crazy. I know how this works, right? But I want you to look at the respect and the honor that Joseph has, even with getting this shocking news. Look at verse 19. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Now Joseph, Joseph could have had Mary convicted in front of the entire community. That she had been unfaithful. That she had been with somebody else. And even though Joseph didn't trust Mary, he didn't want to expose her publicly. And so he had set his mind to divorce her quietly. And this kind of sounds like another Joseph that we studied not too long ago. Joseph, when his, his brothers came, the ones that had sold him into slavery, he, he sends everybody else out when he reveals himself to him, right? Because he didn't want to publicly 
disgrace his brothers, even though they had done wrong. Joseph here doesn't want to disgrace Mary, even though he probably thinks that she has done wrong. He decides that he's going to do so quietly. But finally, God steps in and lets Joseph know his plan. Look at verse 20. It says, But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. So an angel appears to Joseph and says, look, Joseph, Mary wasn't lying, okay? She was telling the truth. What she said is true, and God is fulfilling his promise that he made through Isaiah the prophet, that a virgin will conceive and her son will be called Emmanuel, God with us. Now, at this point, Joseph could have been selfish. He could have said, hey, here is my plan. I have this plan to divorce this woman who has been unfaithful to me. This is my plan, and if my plan doesn't work, then I'm going to take things into my own hands. This is my life. But instead, Joseph doesn't do that. Instead, Joseph submits himself to what God asks of him. And just as the angel told him, he takes Mary home as his wife. And then he, when the son is born, he gives the name Jesus to him. Just as God had told him to do. Mary and Joseph both humbled themselves and become servants to God's plan, setting aside their own plans, setting aside their own agendas. They become servants of God. But Joseph wasn't the only one who was humble here. So was Mary. We see this detailed a little bit more in Luke's gospel. And in Luke chapter 1, verse 27, it says this, The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. So God sends this angel to visit Mary. And to have a visit from an angel would have been a frightening thing. But that's not what was frightening Mary. Okay, Mary was frightened at his greeting. She was troubled at his greeting. Mary was humbled at his greeting. Mary must have thought, who in the world am I that this angel not only would come and visit me, but this angel would call me highly favored? (laughs) Who am I? Mary thought. But the angel continues his message and tells Mary that she will conceive and give birth But not only will this be an amazing thing since she is a virgin, but the son will be called the son of God. He will become the king sitting on the throne of David. 
And now Israel would not only have a king, but Jesus would become the king of kings and the Lord of lords. But as you can imagine, Mary had a few concerns. And she expresses those in verse 34. She says, how would this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so that the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. She who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Mary says, uh, um, Gabriel, ho- hold on. I know that you're an angel. Maybe you haven't had the birds and bees talk. I don't know if you know how this works, right? How am I going to have a kid when I'm still a virgin, right? How am I going to have a child? And so Gabriel tells her that the Holy Spirit will overshadow her. And to even give her a sign, her cousin Elizabeth, who was old and unable to have children, was now six months pregnant. And he says, no word from God will ever fail. It will be so. And I want you to see Mary's humility in verse 38. She has her concerns, and then she says, I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, may your words to me be fulfilled. And the angel left her. Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. This wasn't Mary's plan. This didn't fit into her five-year plan. She was planning to get married uh, and then start a family. But when God came and said, you're going to have a son, he's going to be my son, he's going to save the world of her sins, Mary says, I'm the Lord's servant. Mary's concerns were answered, and she expresses her gratitude to be to found favor with the Lord, uh, to be used to bring Emmanuel, God with us. And, and in verses 47 through 55 of Luke chapter 1 that I encourage you to go read this week, Mary expresses not only her humility but her gratitude in this beautiful song. And she talks about how God always lifts up the humble and how God always brings down the proud. Mary and Joseph, they could have been like Moses when God called them to this mission. They could have said, um, nope, not me. You got to send somebody else. I, I can't talk well, right? Uh, I, I've got all these other baggage. That I've got. Not me, send somebody else. That's what Moses said, right? Mary and Joseph could have done the same thing. They could have said, ah, look, we got this five-year plan. We're getting married. We're going to have uh, 3.5 kids. Uh, like, this isn't fitting into what we thought for our life, right? But they don't. They humbly accept the responsibility that God gave them. They humbly accept God's plan, setting aside their own plan for their life. Instead, they say, I'm your servant, God. And they praise God that he had chosen them to, to, for this great honor. They praise him for the great things that he has done. They praise him for the great things that he is doing and that he will do. And even though Mary and Joseph were young, they show their great wisdom in seeing that God always scatters the proud and that God always lifts up the humble and shows mercy to them. And they humbly accept their part 
in God's plan of mercy and grace and redemption for all of mankind through this child that would be born, through Jesus, who is the Messiah, who is Emmanuel, God with us. And because they were humble enough, they allowed God to use them for not their plans, but for his. And his plan of redemption was carried out. Friends, the reality is for you and me is that like Mary and Joseph, you and I get the privilege to take part in God's plan of redemption as well. You and I get the privilege and are called to share the good news of Jesus with the lost. We get to share the gospel with our family and with our neighbors and with our friends and with our coworkers that are lost. In fact, here at Journey Church, we say it like this. We say that all of us go out to build authentic relationships with the lost in our community and around the world to communicate the gospel of Jesus. And friends, if you are a part of Journey Church, this is who we are. This is what we are about. We get the privilege to be used by God like Mary and Joseph were. But like Mary and Joseph, in order for us to be used by God, we first must humble ourselves. We must lay aside our plans and humbly obey God's plans. And we must pass on the things that we have learned to others. But in order for that, we first must understand who God is. The call for service that Mary and Joseph experienced was so much like the call that Moses experienced when God was going to use Moses to lead his people out of Israel. When God called Moses to the mission that he had in store for him, Moses asked the question, he says, who will I say sent me? And God tells Moses his name. He says, tell the people that I am sent you. Louis Giglio writes about this and he says, God knew that it was imperative for Moses to know who he was and that he was I am. I am is the present tense, the active form of the verb to be. As God's name, it declares that God is unchanging, that he is constant, that he is unending, that he is always present, that he is always God. God was telling Moses that I am the center of everything, that I am running the show, that I am the same every day and forever, that I am the owner of everything, that I am the Lord, that I am the creator and the sustainer of life, that I am the Savior, that I am more than enough, that I am inexhaustible and immeasurable, that I am God. And in that same heartbeat, Moses not only knows God's name, but he learns something more. He finally knows his own name. For if God's name is I am, then Moses' name must be I am not. I am not the center of everything. I am not in control. I am not the solution. I am not all powerful. I am not calling the shots. I am not the owner of anything. I am not 
the Lord. Friends, when we finally begin to understand who God is, we can begin to see who we are not. You see, it's not about us. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about our plans and our time and our things. It's about God and his plans. It's about humbling ourselves so that we can be ready to be used by God for the work that he is going to do in and through us and that he alone gets all of the glory. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18 says this, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. Better to be lowly in spirit along with the oppressed than to share in the plunder with the proud. Whoever gives heed to instruction prospers, and blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. Friends, you know, sometimes it's, it's easy to think that we are humble, but pride has a way of sneaking in and tripping us up from being used by God. Having humility to see that it's not about us, and it's not about our plans, but it's about God and his plans and his kingdom and about trusting in him. Mary, she recognized that the proud are always scattered and brought low and the humble are always lifted up. She and Joseph were both humble. She was humble and she trusted in God's plan. And God was able to use her to bring his son even though this wasn't her plan. Joseph set aside his own desires and his own wants, and he humbly accepted God's plan to use his family to bring Jesus, who would save his people from their sins, to bring Emmanuel, God, with us, even though it wasn't Joseph's plan. Here at Journey Church, we say that we grow by studying the Bible together. But we don't just study it to gain more knowledge, but we also must obey God's word. And in order for us to obey God's word, we must humble ourselves and trust in God. Because if we are arrogant and we are only trusting in our own abilities and our own strength and only trusting in ourselves, then we won't trust in God. And the reality is, has our way worked anyway? It hasn't. So let's start trusting in God's way, and only his ways work. But we must humble ourselves, we must trust God, and we must obey him, and let God work in and through us. Humility is the start, and obedience to God is the result. Humility is the start, and obedience to God is the result. Are you ready to be used by God for the work that he has given us? To be a witness to Jesus, who is Emmanuel, God with us, to be a witness to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, to make straight paths for the good news of Jesus to be shared. Are you ready?
to lead the lost to Jesus. Humble yourselves, trust in God's word and obey him. Have you ever thought about what the difference between humility and humiliation is? The difference between humility and humiliation. And there's a significant difference there. Humility is voluntary, right? It's, it's a willful choice to accept one's place and position. Whereas humiliation is the forcing or the unwilling participation in being in our place, in our position. And for us as Jesus followers, this carries a great significance. Are we willing to submit ourselves to Jesus? Are we willing to submit ourselves to the place and position that he has for us in his kingdom, submitting ourselves to his authority for our lives? That's humility. Or are we constantly striving for our own desires and our own kingdom only to be humiliated. God's will, God's purpose, God's word will never fail. Will you turn away from your own privilege and have that you have and proclaim that salvation is found only in Jesus? Will you, like Joseph and Mary, humbly say, I am the Lord's servant. Friends, the choice is yours. What will you choose today? We pray with me. Father, we thank you. We thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the example of your servants, Mary, your servant, Joseph. We thank you that they humbly obeyed your plan for their life and that you were able to use them to bring your son Jesus who would come and and then humble himself to the point of death, even death on a cross, not because he deserved it, but because we did. Father, we thank you that we get the honor and the privilege to be used by you, to be your witnesses in the places that we'll be, in the places that we'll go. Father, Help us to be humble so we don't have to be humiliated. Because, Father, as Mary has told us, the proud you always scatter, but the humble you lift up. So, Father, help us to be humble so that we can be used by you for your glory, for your praise, and for your kingdom. Help us to set aside any pride. Help us to set aside any arrogance that we may have in our hearts, in our lives, in our thinking, so that we can seek your kingdom and its righteousness. And Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus. We ask all of this in his name. Amen.